My name is Benjamin Pace, and you're listening to the No Content Podcast. And if you happen to be a duck listening to this, you're in a safe space. Welcome to the No Content Podcast. My name is Benjamin Pace, and uh, you know, I'm actually recording this pretty early in the morning. I actually got up real, I I was going to say bright and early, but it actually wasn't bright when I got up, so it was actually dark and rainy, so (laughs) unfortunately... But uh, you're getting the morning brew uh, this this morning. I say morning. It may be, you know, five o'clock on a Friday when you're listening to this. But this is the morning brew. And so, you know, sometimes sometimes that morning brew hits different. You know, you, you get that afternoon iced coffee and it, it, it's that's good, too. But so there's something about that morning brew. I didn't mean for all that to rhyme. But, you know, I'm not I'm not sad that it did. I changed it a little bit on you. Um, so this is the early morning uh, edition, and, uh, so I'm excited about what I have on my heart today, and, uh, real quick, I just wanted to say this, uh, this is releasing on Mother's Day, and I just wanted to give a shout out to all the moms who are listening to this and who are not listening to this, um, uh, you know, uh, Mother's Day is an important day to take time to honor your mother. The Bible says to honor your father and your mother. And that's a godly thing. Um, honor has to do with value. It has to do with uh, blessing. It has to do with acknowledging. And we want to take time to do that. And don't let today go by without doing everything you can do to to show value and to to place um, worth on the the women in your life who are mothers. And uh, I just wanted to say this, uh, just a scripture that came up in my heart um, for moms. You know, I I know that there are some moms that listen to the podcast, and um, this scripture uh, came up on my heart. Uh, Let me actually find it here. And while while I'm looking for this scripture, uh, let me just say this. Um, I'm so thankful for my mom and the investment she has made in my life. And uh, I love her very much, very, very, very thankful for her, and uh, thankful for the seeds that she sowed into my life over the years, and of the Word of God, and even just early on in my life, they made such a difference. And even when I was going through some hard times and not not serving the Lord like I was supposed to, um, you know, she didn't give up on me, she prayed for me, and I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for that. I I gave her uh, some rough time. Uh, through certain seasons of life, and and I'm very thankful for her. But anyway, so uh, here in Proverbs 31, verse 25, and I'm reading out of the New Living Translation, it says, She is clothed with strength and dignity, and she laughs without fear of the future. This came up in my heart today. She laughs without fear of the future. I just feel impressed in my heart that there are some moms out there it's been a while since you've laughed (laughs) it's been a while since you've laughed and the Lord wants you to laugh again the Lord wants you to laugh without fear of the future um you know I've never been a mother 
And no matter how hard I may try, which I'm not going to, I will never be a mother. And so I'll never understand what it's like to be a mother. But, you know, I did a podcast before this called, Is God a Mother? And what we, we saw in that podcast is that, no, God is not a woman, but God does know what it's like to be a mother. And he can identify with you in the place of a mother because the nature of mother did come out of him. I mean, even, you know, the Bible says Jesus was tempted in all points like as we are. That means he can identify with everybody's weaknesses, everybody's trials and temptations. But God knows what it's like to be a mom. God knows the challenges that moms deal with and the things that try to come on them. And he wants you to laugh without fear of the future. That's what his word is to you today. He wants you to laugh without fear of the future. Whatever you've been dealing with, whatever's been coming on you, maybe it's financial, maybe it's stuff with your kids, maybe it's anxiety about different things, maybe it's something in your health or your body. God wants you to laugh without fear of the future. I believe that's a word of encouragement for some moms out there today. He wants you to laugh without fear of the future. Amen. Glory to God. Well, today's podcast is entitled Under the Umbrella. And I think it's kind of funny because I didn't plan this, but as I'm recording this, it's actually raining outside right now. And I think it's just funny. I I woke up this morning, I actually got up early to come in and record. And uh, it was actually raining and pouring pretty hard. So I think it's interesting that it happens to be raining outside as I'm recording this podcast. And again, didn't plan it that way. Couldn't have planned it that way. I did not look at the forecast before I clicked play. But I want to talk about what it means to be under the shelter of God, to be under God's covering for our life. And we're going to get into this. Uh, I'll say this here in the beginning we're going to talk some about submission. And I, I did a whole podcast about submission with Elijah Merle called Who's in Charge Here? If you didn't hear it, it'd be worth your time. Um, we're not really going to go that direction so much today. But I do want to touch on the subject of submission. But one of the things that came up in my heart to say just in the beginning about submission, and, and this is something that I think will help people, because I think one of the things that people have struggled with when it comes to the topic of submission has to do with what I'm about to say here. And this may help to see submission the way we're supposed to see it. But I want to say this to you, and I'm going to read it from my notes because I want to say it right. Submission to people is not a substitute for being led by the Spirit or hearing from God. I'm going to say it again. Submission to people in your life is not a substitute for being led by the Spirit or hearing from God. Did you hear that? The Bible says all who are led by the Spirit of God are the maturing sons of God. It did not say all who are led by pastors. It did not say all who are led by parents. It did not say all who are led by spouses. Now, again... Submission is not about whether or not you can hear from God. Submission is not about somebody else hearing from God for you. Are you listening? That's not what it's about. Uh, Submission has to do with covering. And submission has to do with humility. Submission has to do with passing tests. And submission has to do with rank in the body of Christ. 
Now, I'm not going to get into all those things. We got into all those things at length in that other podcast that I mentioned to you. But I want to present this in the beginning. Submission is not a substitute for hearing from the Lord for yourself. But here's the thing I want to present to you. Now, now let me say this. As you grow in the Lord, you mature in the Lord. You learn to be led by the Spirit more and more. But that doesn't always start out that way. Children, obviously, have to learn how to be led by the Spirit. We're all learning how to be led by the Spirit. That's why he said the maturing sons of God. And let, let me present this to you now. You can hear from God. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. But watch this. Just because you hear something that God is saying in a situation does not mean you are hearing everything that God is saying in a situation. Did you hear me? Just because you hear something that God is saying, which you do and you can, does not mean you are hearing everything that God is saying in the situation. Are you listening to me? This is why you need what I call the whole counsel of God. I'm actually preparing to do a series in the near future called the whole counsel of God, and we're going to talk about this more. But we need the whole body of Christ. Because just because you hear one thing that God is saying doesn't mean you're hearing everything. And listen, this is why we don't want to despise other parts of the body of Christ. You know, just because we have revelation in an area doesn't mean we have all the revelation. Paul said, we know in part and we prophesy in part. So we, we want to be careful about thinking just because we got something from the Lord or we're seeing a part of it, that means we know everything about it. no. This is why we need more than one person in our life. This is why we need the whole counsel of God. And it's good to have people into your life that can speak into your life, not because they are replacing the Holy Spirit, but because there are other things that you may not have considered, you may not have heard, you may not even knew was a factor. And yet the Lord would use them to bring balance. We see this in the book of Acts, that Apollos was preaching what he knew, which was the baptism of John. But the Bible says that uh, Aquila and Priscilla came and showed him the way of God more perfectly. Now, we're going to get more into that in depth in the near future. But I just wanted to touch on that here in the beginning. Submission is not a substitute. It's a supplement. Did you hear me? It's not a substitute. It's a supplement. It's not a replacement, it's an enhancer. <laughs> it's the whole counsel of God. You understand? Just because I'm hearing a part doesn't mean I'm hearing the whole thing. And listen, we've all missed it before. Okay, are you listening? Every single one of us have missed it at one point or another thinking we were hearing from God. Now, don't act like that's never happened to you. <laughs> it's happened to you. It's happened to me. And the truth is, we may have heard a part of it right, but we may have added to it in our immaturity. We may have failed to separate between our soul and our spirit in a thing. And maybe we actually heard from God. Maybe we actually got something from God, but maybe we just didn't hear everything that God was saying in the situation. Now, as we grow and mature, God does want us to learn to hear from him for ourselves and to receive from him for ourselves. And there are times that you will be in situations where there will be nobody else around for you to ask what you're supposed to do. And God wants us to grow and develop to the point 
that we can hear from him and make decisions and trust him. And listen, in those situations, most of the time we're not doing everything exactly right, but that's where God's grace and mercy comes in to help us because we're endeavoring to walk by faith. We're endeavoring to step out and hear from him. We're endeavoring to follow him. So God's mercy and grace makes up for those things, but we don't want to despise uh, the counsel of those that God has joined us to. Now, you want to be very careful about who you get counsel from, and you need to make sure that it's somebody that God has joined you to and has put over you in the Lord and who labors among you and that you can trust. And that's not always automatic in certain areas. You need to inquire to find out who that is. And that one of the, the things that the Bible says about that, it's those who've spoken the word to you, whose faith follow. That's a whole other thing. I, I'm getting off and I'm preaching a whole other message there. But it's good to have people to balance you out, to show you the way of God more perfectly. And so anyway, I've gone on a rabbit trail long enough. Let me get into my main topic for the day, under the umbrella. Look at this in Psalm 61, verse 1. It says, Hear my cry, O God. Attend to my prayer. From the end of the earth I will cry to you. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. You know, if you've ever felt overwhelmed by circumstances, if you felt like there's so much coming against you, God wants to bring you up to a higher place to give you some perspective. You know, we get overwhelmed oftentimes because of our limited perspective. You know, if I'm standing in front of a big, tall building, I can be overwhelmed by the size of that building. But if I'll go up in a helicopter and come up over that building to a higher place, all of a sudden that building doesn't look so big to me because my perspective has changed. Do you see that? That's why the key to getting out of this being overwhelmed is coming up to a higher place. But he goes on to say, for you have been a shelter for me. I'm going to emphasize that to you. You have been a shelter for me. He said, a strong tower from the enemy. I will abide. I'm going to emphasize that to you. I will abide in your tabernacle, tabernacle forever. I will trust in the shelter of your wings. He said, the shelter. I'm going to abide under. I'm going to dwell under your shelter for me. In the Passion Translation, it says, Guide me into your glory, where I am safe and sheltered. Lord, you are a paradise of protection to me. You lift me high above the fray. None of my foes can touch me when I'm held firmly in your wraparound presence. None of my foes can touch me. The enemy can't touch me when I'm sheltered by you. Satan can't touch me when I'm staying underneath this place of protection, this place of shelter. Do you see that? Now look at this in Isaiah 4 verse 2. It says, In that day the branch of the Lord shall be beautiful and glorious, and the fruit of the earth shall be excellent and appealing for those of Israel who have escaped. And it shall come to pass that he who is left in Zion and remains in Jerusalem will be called holy, everyone who is recorded among the living in Jerusalem. When the Lord has washed away the filth of the daughters of Zion and purged the blood of Jerusalem from her midst, by the spirit of judgment and by the spirit of burning, then the Lord will create above every dwelling place of Mount Zion and above her assemblies a cloud and smoke by day and shining of a flaming fire by night. 
for over all the glory, there will be a covering. He talked about this in the last passage, into your glory. For over all the glory, there will be a covering. Somebody, if you want to say covering, if you don't, then don't say it. But if you want to say it, and there will be a tabernacle for shade in the daytime from the heat for a place of refuge and for a shelter from storm and rain. Do you see this language? He said he's talking about the glory and he says a covering, a place of shade in the daytime from the heat, a place of refuge and a shelter from storm and rain, a covering, a place of refuge. What's another way of saying that? An umbrella, (laughs) an umbrella. What does an umbrella do? It protects you. It protects you from the rain. And, you know, it's interesting to me because I've mentioned this in previous podcasts and messages, but uh, recently the church that I still attend on Friday nights, that is kind of the church I've attended for years, uh, Faith Life Church in Branson, Missouri, they recently had a project to build a portico in front of their churches. And the reason that they wanted to build this is so that they have a lot of elderly people that come to the church and things of that nature, and they wanted a place for people to be able to drive in when it's raining or snowing and to be covered from the rain and the snow and get into the church without having to walk through the rain for miles. You understand? And so they built this portico. And while they were building this portico, at one point I was walking into the church and I felt like the Lord spoke on the inside of me, not with an audible voice, but on the inside, still small voice. I felt like he said, my people need a covering for the storms of life. Actually, the way he said it was, my people need an umbrella for the storms of life. And he was speaking that to me as I was watching them build this portico, this covering, this place of refuge, shelter from the heat and from the storms. He said, my people need a covering for the storms of life. Let me read this to you in Isaiah 25, 4. It says, for you have been a strength to the poor a strength to the needy in his distress, a refuge from the storm, a shade from the heat. For the blast of the terrible ones is as a storm against the wall, a storm against the wall, a storm coming against the wall. Have you ever been on the inside of a building and there was a storm that was coming against the wall? (laughs) He said, God is a refuge from that. He's a strength He is a fortress that covers you in the storm. You know, a covering doesn't keep the storm from happening. It just shields you in the midst of the storm. It's a refuge from the storm. And Psalm 57, 1, it says, Be merciful to me, O God, be merciful to me, for my soul trusts in you. And in the shadow of your wings, I will make my refuge until these calamities have passed by. In the Amplified Bible, it says, Be merciful to me. My soul takes refuge and finds shelter and confidence in you. Yes, in the shadow of your wings will I take refuge and be confident until calamities and destructive storms are past. Notice he said, I'll be confident. You know, when you have faith in the shelter that you're taking refuge under, you can be confident. You can go to sleep. You don't have to worry about whether or not it's going to cave in on you when you have confidence in what you're taking refuge in. But, you know, a lot of people, 
are taking refuge in things that are not solid, that are not sure. You know, Jesus talked about building your house on the sand, and when the storm came, it it knocked it all down. That's that's a foundation, that's a, a refuge, a place of shelter that you can't trust. And so there's a lot of people who are seeking refuge in things that are not trustworthy. And because of it, they don't have confidence. But when you're taking refuge in the right thing, there's a confidence that comes with that. But I want to show you an example from the Old Testament of somebody who found a place of refuge during a time of trial in in the whole country. And that is in the book of Ruth. You know, first of all, Ruth, uh, you know the story. Naomi's husband died. Ruth's husband died. And Naomi was going to go to Israel. She was returning to Israel, and she told Ruth and Orpah, go home, go back to your people and to your gods. But Ruth said, I'm not going to leave you. And she said, your God is going to be my God. And where you go, I'm going to go. I'm sticking with you. And notice that Naomi didn't try to get Ruth to come with her. In fact, she tried to talk her out of it. But Ruth was determined, I'm sticking with you. I'm going to help you. I'm going to be with you wherever you go. And I'm, I'm going to worship your God. <laughs> she claimed God as her own before she even knew Jehovah. Do you see that? And, uh, you know, that, that proves that you, you don't have to know everything about theology and the Bible and have every theological question answered before you can claim God as your own. You can do it by faith. Amen. Even if you don't know anything, you, you can reach out to God by faith. And say, God, I I want you. I want you to be my covering, my shelter. And so let's read a little bit in the book of Ruth, and I'll take a sip of my drink before we start. Because there's a good bit here. Um, In, uh, oh wow, that's a lot. Uh, Ruth chapter 2, verse 1. It says, There was a relative of Naomi's husband, a man of great wealth, of the family of Elimelech. His name was Boaz. So Ruth the Moabitess said to Naomi, Please let me go to the field and glean heads of grain after him in whose sight I may find favor. And she said to her, Go, my daughter. Then she left and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the family of Elimelech. Now behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said to the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered, The Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to his servant who was in charge of the reapers, Whose young woman is this? So the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered and said, It is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. And she said, Please let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. I'm just going to say this. I'm just going to throw this in here. You know, it's true. You see there in a little bit that Naomi had a part to play in Ruth and Boaz getting together. And she advised Ruth in that thing. But you know, before that happened, Boaz noticed Ruth. Uh, Well, (laughs) you got to be careful about trying to force things together. Um, Anyway, you got to let God do things. I'll just, I'll leave it right there. So she came and has continued from the morning until now, though she rested a little in the house. Then Boaz said to Ruth, you will, uh, you will listen, my daughter, will you not? Do not go to glean in another field, nor go from here, but stay close by my young woman. Somebody just hear that emphasize, stay close. 
Let your eyes be on the field which they reap and go after them. Have I not commanded the young men not to touch you? You notice that there was some protection involved in her being in Boaz's field. He said, And when you're thirsty, go to the vessels and drink from the young men, or drink from the well that the young men have drawn. So she fell on her face, bowed down to the ground, and said to him, Why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me, since I am a foreigner? You notice that there was not only Ruth voluntarily coming to his field, but Boaz is showing her favor that she doesn't even feel she's entitled to or deserving of. So there's this mutual favor that's happening in this place. Do you see that? This protection, this generosity. And notice what Boaz said. He said, It has been fully reported to me all that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, and how you have left your father and mother in the land of your birth, and have come to a people whom you did not know before. The Lord repay your work, and a full reward be given you by the Lord God of Israel. Watch this. Under whose wings... You have come for refuge. What did Ruth do by coming to Boaz's field and by coming to Israel? She came to take refuge under God's wings. Did anybody make her do that? Mm -mm. Did anybody try to coerce her into doing that? Did anybody tell her, well, if you don't do this, you know, you're going to get into trouble? No. Now, there's a time to speak the truth to people in love about certain things, but they're not trying to force her. You understand? Ruth came under the protective wings of God. Then she said, Let me find favor in your sight, my Lord, for you have comforted me and have spoken kindly to your maidservant, though I am not like one of your maidservants. Now Boaz said to her at mealtime, Come here and eat of the bread and dip your piece of bread in the vinegar. So she sat beside the reapers and he passed parched grain to her and she ate and was satisfied and kept some back. What's happening in this place? She's sitting down. She's receiving provision. This reminds me of the story of David and Mephibosheth. David called Mephibosheth to him, and he said, because of my covenant with your father Jonathan, you're going to come eat bread at my table. Now, before Mephibosheth is out in Lodabar, he's out in the wilderness. He has no covering. He has no protection. And David said, hey, I'm going to be your covering. I'm going to take care of you. I'm go you're coming underneath my wings. Do you see that? And I'm going to provide for you, and I'm going to care for you, and see that you have fields that are sown and reaped. That's the same thing that's happening here. Uh, you could say that uh, he prepared a table for him. He prepared a table for him. And this is what Boaz did. He said, come eat bread at the table with me. Come eat bread at the table with me. And when she rose up to glean, Boaz commanded his young men, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves, and do not reproach her. Notice that Boaz shielded her from reproach, from shame. He said, Also let grain from the bundles fall purposely for her. Uh, leave it that she may glean, and do not rebuke her. So she gleaned in the field until evening and beat out what she had gleaned. And it was about an ephah of barley. Um, and when she brought it back to her mother-in-law, it says she had kept it back after she had been satisfied. Do you see that there is abundance, there's provision in this place that Ruth has come under, this protection she's come under? And she said, where have you gleaned today? Where did you work? Blessed be the one who took notice of you. 
So she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and said, The man's name with whom I work today is Boaz. Then Naomi said to her, Blessed be he of the Lord who has not forsaken his kindness to the living and the dead. And Naomi said to her, This man is a relation of ours, one of our close relatives. Ruth the Moabitess said, He also said to me, You shall stay close by my young men until they have finished all my harvest. (laughs) Okay, there's a lot there I could get into. What did Jesus say? The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Uh, He said, stay close by my young men until they have finished all my harvest. You know, there is an end times company that you're called to be in. Ooh, come on. There's an end times group that you're called to be in until all the harvest is finished. Oh, come on. That's a whole nother message. I can't get into it right now. And Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, it is good, my daughter, that you go out with this, with his young women and that people do not meet you in any other field. He, she said, it's good that you're not in some other field. So she stayed close by the young women of Boaz, not just any young women, the young women of Boaz. Does it matter where you are? Does it matter where you're joined? Does it matter that you be where God told you to be and join to who God told you to be joined to? Yes, it matters that you're in the right place at the right time with the right people. Now again, how did Ruth get into this place? She went and joined herself to Naomi and said, where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Nobody made her do that. Nobody tried to force her to do it. She made the choice. I'm going to follow Naomi into this place that's foreign to me, that's different from what I'm used to. It's not something I grew up in. It's not something I'm accustomed to, but I'm going to follow you there because I know God has joined me to you, Naomi. And as a result of that, she was where she was supposed to be. All this other stuff happened to her. She met her husband, and she was blessed, and she was provided for. It wasn't because people tried to, to guilt her into doing this or, or force her to do that. Do you see that this is something that she made this choice to submit herself to this thing? Do you see that? And she stayed close by the young women of Boaz to glean until the end of barley harvest and wheat harvest, and she dwelt with her mother-in-law. She stayed in Boaz's field. Do you see that? She stayed with Boaz. She stayed fast by Boaz. That's where she was fed in a time of famine. Do you see that? This was the time of famine in the land of Israel, and that's where she got fed. Praise God. And, you know, her coming under Naomi led to her meeting Boaz. And her coming under Boaz had to do with her coming under God's protection. And you see something else. She's gathering the harvest with the other reapers. See, this is a type of what it means to follow after Jesus. Jesus said, he who does not gather with me scatters. That's a whole other message. I can't get into that right now. But uh, let me just insert this right in the middle here. 1 Thessalonians 5.12, it says, We urge you, brethren, to recognize those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you, those who labor with you and are over you. She is in the field uh, with these people that are laboring with her, but also Boaz is also in the field. Do you see that? Boaz is also out there laboring. We'll see that here in just a minute. Boaz is a part of this process too. He's out there in the field too. Do you see that? Those who are over you and labor among you. Now, uh, going over to Ruth chapter 3, 
Um, it says this in verse uh, one, Naomi said to, her, to Ruth, shall I not seek security for you that it may be well with you? Do you see that, that this has to do with her being secure and confident because she is covered? Do you understand? She's under the right covering. It says, now Boaz, whose young women you were with, is he not our relative? In fact, he is winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. What's he doing? He's laboring with them. He's gathering with them. Do you see that? Therefore, wash yourself and anoint yourself, put on your best garment and go down to the threshing floor. But do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. Then it shall be when he lies down that you shall notice the place where he lies and you shall go in, uncover his feet and lie down and he will tell you what you should do. Uh, notice that he'll tell you what you should do. That reminds me of John chapter two that says, whatever he says to you, do it. This is a picture of submission. And she said to her, all that you say to me, I will do. Do you see that Ruth has this submissive attitude <laughs> and what it led to for her? So she went down to the threshing floor and did according to all that her mother-in-law instructed her. And after Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was cheerful, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain. And she came softly and covered his feet and lay down. Now it happened at midnight that the man was startled and turned himself. And there a woman was lying at his feet. And he said, Who are you? So she answered, I am Ruth, your maidservant. Watch this. Take your maidservant underneath your wing. Oh, come on. Take your maidservant under your wing. Did Boaz try to get her to submit to him? Did Boaz try to try to convince her to marry him? No, she came to Boaz and said, take me under your wing. Let me come underneath you. Do you see how godly submission is supposed to operate? I'm coming underneath this covering. I'm coming underneath this person who God has placed over me, who labors among me, I'm coming under. Do you see that? Take me underneath your wing. And he said, Blessed are you, my daughter, for you have shown more kindness at the end than at the beginning, and that you did not go after young men, whether poor or rich. And now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you request, for all the people of my town know that you are a virtuous woman. You know, this is the second time we see Ruth of her own free will, submit herself. Nobody made her, nobody forced her. She presented herself. She humbled herself and came underneath this protective covering. You know, God will not force anyone under his wings. He won't force anybody under his umbrella of protection. You have to come under it of your own free will. Look at this in 1 Peter 2, 25. It says, For you were as sheep going astray, but are, re are now returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls. In the Amplified, it says, But now you have come back to the shepherd and guardian of your souls. Who came back? You came back to the shepherd and guardian of your souls. In 1 Peter 2, 25, in the Passion Translation, it says, uh, you wandered away, but now you have returned to the true shepherd of your lives, the kind guardian who lovingly watches over your souls. Um, in Matthew 9, 36, I'm going through these scriptures kind of quickly. Jesus said, when he saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep, having no shepherd. He had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. 
Look at this in Zechariah 10, verse 1. It says, Ask you of the Lord rain in the time of the latter rain. So the Lord shall make bright clouds and give them showers of rain to everyone grass in the field. For the idols have spoken vanity, and the diviners have seen a lie and have told false dreams. They comfort in vain. Watch this. Therefore they went their way as a flock. They were troubled because there was no shepherd. You know, Jesus is our good shepherd. But many times one of the reasons why people are troubled and struggling is because they don't have a shepherd in their life. You know, people like to think, well, I'm I'm following Jesus. But, you know, the Bible says that when the sheep left the 99, Jesus left the 99 and went and got the sheep and brought it back to the flock. Listen, uh, honey child, if you're not in a flock, I question whether or not you're following the good shepherd. Now, I didn't say there's never a time where God might lead you to start something and you might temporarily be just you. But if that's the case, it's because you're starting a flock or you're 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 starting something new. You understand it's always going to end up with you being in a flock of believers. That's always the case. And God is never leading anybody to be perpetually isolated. That's not his will. Um, now, let me ask you this. Why would someone not be under God's protective wings? Why would somebody not be under the protective wings of the Father? Look at this in Luke thirteen thirty four. Jesus said, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her, how often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood, watch this, under her wings. But what was the problem? You were not willing. And the Passion Translation says, uh, but you were too stubborn to let me. <laughs> you were too stubborn to let me. In Romans 10.21, it says, all day long I have stretched forth my hands unto a disobedient and gainsaying people. In the Amplified Bible, it says, I've stretched out my hands to an unyielding and disobedient and self-willed, a fault-finding, a contrary, and a contradicting people. <laughs> So why wouldn't somebody come underneath the protective wings of God? Rebellion, stubbornness, um, fault finding. You know, if you're looking for something that's perfect, you're never going to find it. And if you're determined to fault find, no matter where you go, you will always find fault. You know why? Because everybody has faults. (laughs) And one of the reasons why people don't come underneath protective wings and coverings is fault finding. But the only question you need to ask yourself is, did God join me here? Did God tell me to be here? Did God join me to this group of people? They've got flaws. They've got faults. And nobody's expecting you to call evil good and good evil if something's not right or something's not good. But again, did God join you there? That's the question you need to ask. That's what you need to find out. Look at this in Isaiah 30, verse 1. It says, Woe to the rebellious children, says uh, the Lord, who take counsel but not of me, and who devise plans, but not by my spirit. You got to be careful about who you're counseling with, and you got to be careful about making your own plans. (laughs) He said in Jeremiah, I know the plans I have for you. He said that they may add sin to sin, who walk down to Egypt and have not asked my advice to strengthen themselves in the strength of Pharaoh and to trust, watch this, in the shadow of Pharaoh, 
This is a wrong covering. This is trusting in something that's not right. (laughs) This is trusting in the wrong thing. Therefore, the strength of Pharaoh, watch this, shall be your shame, and trust in the shadow of Egypt shall be your humiliation. What is Egypt a type of? Bondage. Being brought into subjection to something. And God delivered the Israelites out of Egypt, and he said, you trying to go back and trust in that again, that's going to end up being your humiliation. People have not realized that rebellion toward God is bondage to the enemy. Did you hear that? Rebellion toward God is bondage to the enemy. But watch this. Submission to God is freedom from bondage. Submission to God is not bondage. Why? Because you have to submit yourself. He won't force you. But when you do, what does he say to the enemy? Reproach them not. Ooh, come on. Like Boaz and Ruth, he says, reproach them not. Why? Because you submitted yourself unto him. He set you free. In other words, what does that word reproach mean? It literally means don't take advantage of her. Don't force her. Now, it's actually a, a, a reference to rape. But it's not just limited to that. Don't force her. Don't take advantage of her. You know, rebellion against God is submitting to the oppressor, the oppression of the enemy. But submitting to God sets you free from the enemy. It protects you from the oppression, from being taken advantage of by the enemy. You know, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 2, lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. You know, the enemy will take advantage of you if he can. He'll try to force you into things. He'll try to reproach you. But when you come under God's protective wings, he keeps you from that. He rebukes the enemy. He rebukes the devourer. You submit to God, you resist the devil, and he has to flee. But what did this have to do with making plans without God, trusting in your own understanding? In James 4, it says, But he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. You know, one of the reasons why Satan isn't fleeing from people more is because they're not submitted to God. He says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you, you double-minded. You know, double-minded, back and forth. You know, under one day, out from under the next day. You know, if you stay under the umbrella, you'll stay dry. If you go out of the umbrella, you'll get wet. It's just that simple. He goes on to say, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. At the very end of James 4 in verse 13, it says, Come now, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell and make a profit. Whereas you don't know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. But now you boast in your arrogance, and all such boasting is evil. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does it not, to him it is sin. You see what he's saying here? You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Don't assume you know. Don't make your own plans. Instead, submit to God and say, God, what's your will in this? What is your will in this? That's what Ruth did. She came under Boaz, and she said, what do you want me to do? You tell me what to do. Naomi told her, whatever he says to you, do. He'll tell you what to do. 
So what, what is submission connected to? Acknowledging God in your plans. You know, Ruth acknowledged Naomi, and Naomi helped her to do the right thing, and then she acknowledged Boaz. Look at this in Proverbs 3. I'm getting close to wrapping up here. Uh, in verse 5, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your bones, and it will be health to your flesh, excuse me, and strength to your bones. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. You know, tithing is not about paying off God. Tithing is an act of submission to God. Tithing has to do with submitting your finances to God and making God your master in that area instead of letting money be your master. And actually, when you submit your finances to God, it protects you from the bondage of the enemy. It protects you from the oppression of the enemy on your finances. It's not about a religious act. It's about an act of submission. It's about submitting to God, acknowledging God, honoring the Lord, and saying, Lord, I'm submitting my finances to you. Nobody's making me do this. I don't have to do this, but Lord, I'm acknowledging you in my finances, and God can put his protective wings over that when you do that with the right heart. Um, and it says that submitting to him leads to health and wealth. Now notice this part. It says, My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor detest his correction. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects, just as a father, the son, and whom he delights. You know, that's where a lot of people get hung up, <laughs> is receiving correction. He says, Happy is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding. For her proceeds are better than the profits of silver and her gain than fine gold. She is more precious than rubies and all the things you may desire cannot compare with her. Length of days is in her right hand and in her left hand riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her and happy are all who retain her. Now, he talks about wisdom, and he says, keep sound wisdom and discretion. Do you see these terminologies? Take hold of her. Keep sound wisdom. Then you will walk safely in your way, and your foot will not stumble. When you lie down, you will not be afraid. Yes, you will lie down, and your sleep will be sweet. Do not be afraid of sudden terror, nor of trouble from the wicked when it comes, for the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. Do you see the picture here of acknowledging the Lord, coming underneath the Lord, and the result is sleeping peacefully, <laughs> and the result is confidence. What did we talk about in the beginning? Having confidence because of the shelter you are under. In Hebrews thirteen seventeen, it says, Obey them that have the rule over you, and submit yourselves. For they watch over your souls as those that must give an account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief. For that is unprofitable for you. Again, you see this picture of submitting yourself, and they give an account. There's, there's a covering here. There's a covering here. Um, when I'm submitted underneath something, I'm not just on my own. There, there's a shielding that happens, especially when there's a storm, when there's something that's coming against you. When you're underneath a covering, 
there's a shielding here. There's a, I'm giving an account for them. I'm covering them. Now, it's not just about a person doing this, but it's about the Lord doing this when you're aligned under him by aligning yourself underneath the people and the place that he has called you to. It's not about a person being your covering. It's about God being your covering when you're aligned under where he told you to be. Do you understand that? We're not emphasizing any person as being your quote unquote covering. It's about being under his wings, but that has to do with submission to him and obedience to him and being where he told you to be. Do you see that? And nobody's going to make you do that. Nobody, well, people may try to make you do some things, but in most cases, that's an indication of where you should not be when that's there, when there's an attempt being made to do that. Because the right people, the right place, they're not going to try to force you to come under their wings, but the wings are available. There's a desire there. What did Jesus say? Hey, I long to gather you under my wings as a mother hen gathers her chicks, but you would not. There's a longing there, but there's not a forcing there. Do you see that? And God desires that. God desires for you to come underneath his protective wings. Now, in the final few minutes of this, let me just read Psalm 91 to you. And we'll see this perhaps in a different light. It said, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. You know, you can't separate Psalm 91 from submission to God. He said, I will say of the Lord. Who said this? David. I will say of the Lord. He is my refuge and my fortress. My God and him will I trust. Notice that it wasn't God saying, hey, I'm your refuge and you need to trust under me. Now, God could say that and probably has said that in other places, and it would be right if he did. But in this, I want to emphasize to you that David said, he is my refuge and my fortress. Why do I say that? Because it doesn't matter how true it is that God is that available for you. He's not going to be your refuge unless you say, God is my refuge and my fortress. Unless you take shelter underneath him, it won't be true for you. Unless you say, I'm coming underneath your wings, God. God is a fortress for those who trust in him. But if you don't choose to say, you're my fortress, if you don't choose to come underneath his wings, then you won't experience that. You have to be the one to say, you're my refuge. You're my fortress. You're my God in whom I will trust. It says, when that's the case, when you're doing that, surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. We've been talking about in the Verity Vitamin segment about the difference between the fear of God and the fear of man. And we've talked about the verse in Proverbs 29 that says, the fear of man brings a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord will be safe. Why is God able to deliver him from the snare? Because he's trusting in the Lord. He submitted to God. Do you see that? It says, He shall cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Why? Because you're under his wings. You're under his protection. You're covered. You're under the umbrella. He said, It shall not come near you. Only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked. 
Because you have made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place. So we talk all the time about, well, a thousand will fall at my side and ten thousand will fall at my right hand, but it won't come near me. And only with my eyes will I look and see. Okay, but he just told you why it happened. Why did this happen? Because you've made the Lord your refuge. That's the reason why that happened. (laughs) You know, you can't just quote that if you're not doing that. You understand, this is why this happened, because I made the Lord my refuge. No evil will befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. You know, this doesn't mean that angels have authority over me. I'm not submitting to angels, but there is a protective covering of angels when I'm submitted to God. That's, that's a truth. That is a spiritual truth. In their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. You shall tread upon the lion and the cobra. The young lion and the serpent you shall trample underfoot. This has to do with your authority over the enemy. Jesus said, I give unto you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions. But why? Because of submission. If you read in Matthew chapter 8, look for all the places that it shows the authority that Jesus had because he was submitted to the Father. And in that same passage, it also talks about how the centurion said, hey, I'm a man under authority, and I, and I have authority over other men because of it. And you see that he is actually seeing into the spirit of why Jesus has the authority that he has, because it goes on to say that Jesus went to... Uh, that place where that madman was, and the demons said, please don't torment us before the time. The demons were subject unto Jesus. Why? Because Jesus was submitted to the Father. That's what that whole passage is about. Read Matthew 8 with submission and authority in your mind, and you'll see these things begin to stand out to you. But this has to do with your authority over the enemy. It says, because he has set his love upon me, now God's talking, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. You know, this sounds like what Boaz said to Ruth. Because you have chosen me rather than all these other things you could have chosen. Because you came to me and submitted yourself to me, I'm going to do for you all that you've asked. This sounds like Boaz talking right here. He said, because he has set his love upon me, Therefore, I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. He'll call upon me and I'll answer him. I'll be with him in trouble. I'll deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Now, why did all of that happen? Because you came under his protective wings. All this happened because you came under the umbrella and you were kept from the storm. Listen, whether it's storms in your personal life that are going to try to come against you, or whether it's storms happening in the world, we all need to know that we are under God's protective wings. And it's not about getting your eyes on any person, but I guarantee you that God wants us joined somewhere. And Psalm 68 says God sets the solitary in families And he brings out those who are bound into prosperity, but the rebellious dwell in a dry land. 
Um, you don't have to dwell in a dry land. There may be some trials and tests that are going to come not only in your life personally, but in the world in general. But you don't have to be afraid if you know you're under his protective wings. If you know you're where he's called you to be, doing what you've, you're, he told you to do, you're in the right place, you're following him. And listen, it's not hard. If you ask him, he will show you. If you ask him, Lord, where am I supposed to be joined? What am I supposed to be doing? Who is my end times company? Quote, unquote. Who are the people I'm supposed to be gathering with? Where, what flock am I called to be in? It may be a small little flock. It may be a bigger flock. That's not the point. He's called you somewhere. He's joined you somewhere. And in that place, there is protection. There is a covering. God doesn't want anybody to be a lone wolf out there on their own. Now, I didn't say God wouldn't call you to go somewhere and start something, or God wouldn't call you to go somewhere and plant something. Of course, he's, he's done that with many people. He's called people to Africa where they didn't know anybody, but it was for a purpose. It was for the purpose of starting something, and it never ends, if it's God, in isolation. It's planting a seed that leads to multiplication. Do you see that? so that there can be a flock over there. There can be a group of believers over there who are gathering. That's always the end result with God. He never desires for you to be perpetually alone or isolated. So if you don't know where that place is, I'm believing with you to find that place. I'm believing with you to discover where that place is. And if you do know where that place is, I encourage you to not allow offense to separate you from that. And from those people that he's joined you to. And if you have gotten away from where he joined you to and you know it, let me just encourage you. God is still saying like Jesus, hey, I long to gather you under my wings. I long to bring you under my protective wings. It's not too late to return to the shepherd and the bishop of your souls. Amen. Let me pray for you and then I'll let you go. Father, I thank you for every listener that's listening to this. I thank you for uh, enlightening the eyes of their understanding that they would know the hope of your calling and that you would fill them with the knowledge of your your will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding, Father. And I, I thank you, Father, for anybody who maybe has never given their life to you and doesn't know you, Father. I ask that you would draw them unto you, Father. You said, if you are lifted up, you draw all men unto yourself. And I pray for them, Father, that they would see how important it is to come into the ark <laughs> before the flood. How important it is to come underneath your protective wings and that you desire to satisfy them with long life and to show them your salvation. And I thank you, Father, that your salvation is shown and revealed in the person of Jesus. And if that's you and you haven't given your life to the Lord, I just want to encourage you, reach out to God. Don't put it off. Don't delay. His salvation is shown in the person of Jesus. And if you will believe on him and you'll receive him and you'll come underneath the protective wings of God, then you will be kept safe, not only now, but in eternity. Amen. Glory to God. Well, this has been the No Content Podcast. I hope you got something out of this today, and I'll talk to you the next time you click play. Thanks again for listening to the No Content Podcast. Remember that Jesus loves you, he loves everyone else, and please don't forget to feed the ducks.